Hey everyone, welcome to the Motion Church Weekly Podcast. On this podcast, we share some thoughts from our weekly gatherings as home churches, as well as our messages from when we all get together. It's our desire to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, and we hope that this podcast encourages you to walk in that way. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to Motion Church Weekly. Caleb and, and Shannon are with you this week. It's been a couple episodes uh, where we've been separate, uh, just different things going on, but we are back together today and uh, excited to take a look at the middle section of John chapter 7. So Shannon, give it to us, brother. Yeah, as, as you said, this is the this last Saturday we were looking at this section here right at the center of the chapter. It's John chapter seven, verses 25 through 36. And it's carrying on from what you covered from the Saturday before from verses one through 24. And and then it's going to tie up and wrap up with what you cover with the ending of chapter seven. And and there's really kind of a a straightforward um, thought here with, with this, Uh, portion of John's gospel that we're going to be looking at. But one of the key things that we talked about is, is this whole story here in his gospel uh, presentation here, his, his account of the gospel is centered around the feast of booths. And, and that was one of the, the um, important festivals that they really looked to in their time. There was about a six month time period where they had all these festivals and these feasts that God had given them. And um, it's called the feast of booths. It's also known as the feast of tabernacles or, or Sukkot in, in the Hebrew. And it was celebrated around September, October, and it was an eight day feast. And what it does is it's, it's, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm kind of, mixing two 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 stones with my notes here i started talking about uh the the feast of dedication the the hanukkah which is kind of <laughs> part of that now the feast of booths was the 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 main thing was is to uh, have a remembrance back of their time wandering in the wilderness when they were in their tents and they were on the move as god was bringing them to the promised land and so it it was a festival to reflect back on God's provision during that time. And so it's a time of Thanksgiving and it also becomes a a time of celebration for the harvest and light and water really plays uh, as far as themes and imageries in this, um, in this festival. And, and so there was this, this outpouring of water where they would make these, these sacrifices of, of drink offerings throughout the, the festival. And Jesus is going to tie into these. And John is sharing the story because of the significance of that. And there really was a twofold purpose here uh, with what Jesus was doing during this festival. And number one, it was fulfilling the festival symbolism of the, of the light and the the water, you know, the water of life, it, it reflects back on his conversation with the woman at the well. And of course, Jesus is is the light 
that sheds light in the darkness of the world. But then the, the other purpose is, is to challenge the preconceived ideas about messiahship and himself, because this festival, the festival of booths, um, had, had a very end times, uh, eschatological view, uh, of significance for the people in that day. Uh, it, it made them reflect, right. Just as they were looking to the land of milk and honey that, that Moses was going to take them to, it's a reminder that, Hey, God is still going to bring his Messiah. Who's, who's going to bring in his everlasting kingdom. And, and Jesus really gets to the point. Uh, with some of this and he starts knocking down some of these preconceived ideas that had developed about the Messiah. Um, and he's using this festival and, and the atmosphere around it to do that. And so uh, this kicks off with the people actually starting to really wonder, wow, could this be the Christ? Could this really actually be him in verses 25 through 26? John writes, Some of the people of Jerusalem, therefore, said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the the Christ? And so it's well known at this time that the religious elites want to bring Jesus in. And here he is speaking openly. And they're not doing anything about it. So then that gets the people starting to, to wonder and to think, well, wait a minute, they, they want to arrest him. They want to kill him. They want to get rid of this guy, but they're not doing anything about it. Maybe that's because he is the Messiah and they're scared to do anything against the, <laughs> the Messiah. And, and I think one of the things that I shared with this uh, about this is Jesus always causes division in culture. And it's just yeah. another reminder. You, you can't leave Jesus alone. You, you've got to make a decision about him. Is he the Messiah or not? Are you going to follow him completely or not? You, you got to make a decision. You can't be on the fence about, about Jesus. And so, you know, the, the people are starting to stir and all of these things, and of course, the the Jewish leaders of the day always got their ear to the street, always listening in what the people are are saying, and they're not liking all of this because they've got a good system going on. And and honestly, to be fair to them, I personally think they really do think they're doing what is right. And, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we've talked about. That's the problem of standing on your preconceived ideas as opposed to the straight up scriptural truth. And and this gets introduced in verse 27, where John writes the, the people saying, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. And, and that is getting it to the heart of the assumptions about the Messiah, because the assumption is nobody knows where he, where he would come from, but they're all saying, well, wait a minute, this guy is from Nazareth. So that means we know where he comes from, but the, the, you know, the, the irony of it all is that's not where Jesus comes from. And <laughs> they're, 
not realizing it because most of them aren't taking the time to get to know him. And the funny thing is he's been telling them that he's been coming from the father and they're completely ignoring <laughs> him. It's like right. it's going in one yeah. ear and out the the other. And I shared that there's a total of five assumptions that the culture in that day, the the Jewish culture in that day had about the Messiah. And some of these kind of carry over in one shape or form even today. And those five assumptions were uh, they saw the Messiah as a political figure, not a, a spiritual figure, but as a political figure that would come and kick out Rome. And then, of course, we've already seen, which is at the heart of all of, all of them, is that no one would know the Messiah's origin, right? And they all claim that they knew him. Um, they had the assumption that Messiah would perform many signs, which they've seen and they declare that Jesus did. Uh, they had the assumption that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, which was a good assumption because according to scripture, he would be. And so they're missing that point in, in Jesus's history. See, they're, they're getting to know their assumptions well, but they're not getting to know their savior well, and therefore they miss it. And then the last one is that the Messiah would remain forever so that he could not die. Totally missing the whole the whole concept of, of what Isaiah 52, 53 all is talking about. And, mm-hmm. and really, I mean, all throughout scripture, there's great examples of, of what God can do and what he'll do in, in preparing them for this. And, and so right. instead of just standing on scriptural truth and, and getting to the heart of the matter before them, they just hold on to their own belief systems and their assumptions and and as a result they miss the the messiah and and i mentioned that standing on traditions preconceived ideas and assumptions can lead to missing the truth and and listen you can be sincerely following those things like you truly believe that's it um but if you're not willing to challenge your thoughts and to constantly grow and to to really, like I said, get to the heart of the matter before you, um, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. And I think there's a lot of people in our churches today that that truly think that they're following Jesus. And and they're not. They're not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, true sanctification, that that holiness that God has started with our salvation and then continues that that true sanctification it's an ongoing process it's a progressive thing and we got to always challenge ourselves and always keep growing and so jesus answers them and john writes in verses 28 and 29 so jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple you know me and you know where i come from but i'm not come of my own accord he who sent me <clears throat> is true and him you do not know i know him for i come from him and he sent me and and i mean what a cool thing i I really do jesus has got uh what a sharp mind and a sharp wit and and you almost there's almost maybe a little bit of, of sarcasm in there or really trying to get to the the heart of their issue because he starts with you know you know me and, and you know where I come from, and it's almost like a a, a, a double 
sided thing because he's like, you guys keep saying I'm from Nazareth, but you're missing the point that that's not where I come from. I was born in Bethlehem and I'm coming from the father, which is the mm-hmm. flip side of it because he's been telling them that he's been coming from the father. So it's, you know <laughs> where I'm coming from. And yet they're still, they're still messing, missing it. And, and when he says he who sent me is true, what he's really saying there is yes, the father really did sent me. This is a real deal. I'm, I'm not right. doing all this just for the fun of it. And the fact of the matter is, is you cannot know God if you don't know Jesus. And, yeah. and we can be really guilty of, of this today. And I, I shared some statistics from Barna and, you know, it's just amazing that half the people that go to church actually church hop. They don't commit to any gathering uh, of the church and, you know, to see that only 26% of the people who go to church feel challenged to change something in their life each week. You know, wow, that's telling you, are we really truly teaching people about Jesus? Are, are we really sharing the scriptural truth? You know, um, 36% pastors noted decline uh, or inconsistent volunteering. And, um, you know, at least a third uh, of them said that spiritual uh, maturity is a problem in the church, um, that that stagnating spiritual growth is is a problem. Yet only one to three percent of pastors polled are ever stressed about buildings and budgets and, and all of these things, all of these things that they control, that they develop, that they focus on, you know, and all the things that really matter, there, there's not an emphasis there. And, and that's, that's a danger. That's a, that's a real danger. And, and, you know, in the American churches today, uh, us pastors and church leaders, we have a knack. We have an ability, and I'm speaking generally. I'm not trying to pinpoint out any specifics, whatnot. But we have this knack of taking earthly things and spiritualizing it, and trying to squeeze it into Scripture instead of letting God's Word radically change our view of of what we're doing. And um, I think that's going to be a real big danger and a real challenge for us each week to go, you know what, are are we doing the earthly church or are we being the, the actual living, breathing followers of Jesus church? And, and, and that's what we gotta, we gotta do because, you know, Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, take my yoke. You know, my yoke is easy, but it's still a yoke. And, and the apostle Paul said that those that will live godly will suffer persecution. And so if we're not suffering persecution and, and I'm not talking about that, they ran out of, you know, cream for your super latte. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about that. People don't like the fact that you're a Christian and, and that you're willing to stand up for them. And, and we don't see that here today. 
Um, and, and that's yeah. the that's the matter. We need to really truly know Jesus, not just about him. And so um, John continues to write verses 31 through 31. So they were seeking to arrest him, uh, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. And they said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? And so it's really cool. You get to share the cool story about the, the temple police going off, being sent off after Jesus and, and all of that. And I love, <laughs> I love that story. So I'm not going to, you know, steal your thunder or anything, but the fact of the matter is, is they are sending people out to arrest him, but yet no one's laying uh, a hand on him. And, and they're all starting to wonder is like, wait a minute, you know, the Messiah comes, he's going to be doing all these signs. Really? Can anybody else do more than what this guy is doing? And, and so there's that other side that, that is sitting there going, you know what? I'm, I'm really thinking this guy is the Messiah. Could he even be doing mightier signs than what he is doing? And so verses 32 through um, 36 start to wrap up this section and, and act as a transition into what you're going to be sharing next Saturday. Uh, verse 32 says the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So they send the, the guys out to arrest him. And uh, Jesus then said, he says, I'll be with you a little longer. And then I'm going to go to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me where I am. You cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. So now they're all trying to puzzle. Okay, what's he getting at? Is he, what, what's his secret code that he's, he's saying? Oh, maybe he's going to be going off to all of our, our Jewish brethren that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And he's going he's gonna to sh- take his message to the, to the Greeks, you know. And, and once again, it's just laying the groundwork for the fact that they're missing the point. And, and, you know, it, what, what's amazing to me looking at them is how little they go to the scriptures to work through all of this mm-hmm. and, and all of their yeah. arguments, they're all earthly worldly tied <clears throat> arguments. And, and I think that's our challenge for, for us is, is Jesus really at the heart of our faith? And, and is he really the focal point of our lives? And, and we're going to, we're going to mess it up. We're, we're going to, because we're a mess, but, but the key is, is that's what God's doing is, is helping us to, to become more like Christ. And are we moving in in that direction or are we just kind of settled in on, on what we're doing? And are we lifting up? these these worldly personal selfish thoughts as as holy and righteous or are we really truly standing on on god's truth you know i shared are we wanting buddy jesus or do we want real jesus are are we wanting to play church or are we wanting to actually go out there and and be the the church and you know, I shared some really tough 
uh, sayings from, from Jesus, Matthew 10, 38 and 39. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life mm-hmm. will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And and I think in Luke, Luke 14, verse 27, I mean, that's like a, a punch in the gut. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Wow. And, and I don't, I don't yeah. really think here in America, especially, I don't think we're bearing our own cross. And I don't think we're really chasing after him. I, I don't think the vast majority in the church would really like what it means to truly go after Jesus. I don't think we want to lose all of the nice, wonderful things that we've developed uh, over the years. And when I think about the stories that I, I've read about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe and, and what they're facing and, and what they've endured, and I, there's times that I just, I, I feel almost ashamed to say that I'm a part of the body of Christ because we have so much blessing here. Yeah. And, and I, I think we've let it gone to our heads. And um, I, I think the challenge there is where Paul says in second Timothy three twelve, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We'll be, we won't be, be, friendly to to people and you know and people aren't gonna like our our message and so uh good stuff um pretty straightforward to the yeah. point um but like i said a, a nice little transition to the rest of of the chapter there so mm-hmm. yeah i think um <clears throat> like you said um the people they don't ever go to the scripture um they're just going off of what they feel like they remember from it and we're going to see that uh the next week too because the pharisees even call them people who don't know or don't understand exactly (laughs) so they even they even know it but i think um just want to share some encouragement here in this because i think there's a lot of um people in that boat where we're doing these things, uh, church certain ways. We're doing, you know, living our life certain way and hoping for good results. And um, just want to share from. I was reminded while you were talking of Paul in First uh, Timothy chapter one. He says in verse twelve, he says, "I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent." But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I think about what he says about himself. He said, you know, he was a blasphemer, mm. persecutor, yeah. and an opponent. But you think about in Philippians, you know, what does he say about himself? He's saying that he was zealous for the works of his fathers, what, what everybody else was doing. Yeah. He was zealous for the traditions. That was his mindset, you know? And, but here in Timothy, we get a little insight into 
Paul's saying he received mercy. And so just uh, for the encouragement is that there's mercy for, you know, us. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's, there's mercy and there's grace for that. Um, but what God and what Jesus wants from us is uh, for us to recognize that maybe we're not searching for him. We're searching, you know, what we think yeah, about good Jesus stuff. instead of, you know, what the scriptures say about him. And so, like we said before, you know, there's, um, mercy for that. God is a redeemer. And so anything that we've done in the past with good motives, you know, God can use that for good, even though, you know, that might not be the ultimate thing that he wanted That's us right. to do. Um, but he wants us once we do understand his word and, and seeking him, that's what he wants us to go after. And so uh, I think that is definitely in there as well. And so uh, really great stuff this week, Shannon. We are looking forward to the rest of our study of John. We are just yeah. really getting started. We're not even halfway through the book yet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this has been good. Been real good. So, well, um, hope you all enjoyed this episode this week uh looking forward to being with you next week and uh we'll see you there we go. next week on the podcast thanks for listening to this week's episode of motion church weekly as always head over to our website at motionchurch.life or follow us on social media to keep up with the latest from motion church We hope you have a great week.